This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, this is going to be so much fun. We're like going back into my background when I did something along these lines about 20 years ago. I used to do some of this. And so it's going to be so much fun to be talking about this with my guest today. But we're, you know, we're going to be talking about giving presentations and, and things like that. And, and you know, whether it's in person, whether it's via Zoom, whether it's in, you know, all of these various things. And so it's going to be so much fun to talk to my guest today. So please join me in welcoming Jeff Lachey to our program today. How are you doing, sir? Fine. Thanks, Deb. It's great to see you. I'm glad for the opportunity to talk about uh, storytelling, which I know is near and dear to both of our hearts. Of course, of course. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you and then we'll jump into this. So Jeff Lachey is an executive presentation coach and media trainer who has enhanced the presentation and storytelling skills of senior leaders at dozens of Fortune 500 companies and hundreds of other for-profit and not-for-profit organizations. Jeff spent more than a decade as a journalist, starting at the Associated Press, and then he was an award-winning on-air television news correspondent at CNBC and several network affiliates. He later served in leadership roles at three of the world's largest PR firms and two multi-billion dollar public companies before he founded his own firm, Lachey Communications. He is the author of two books and has just launched an online masterclass called Presenting with Persuasion, the premier fast track to powerful storytelling. So again, Jeff, welcome. Thank you, Deb. Great to be here. And again, to be able to talk about the, the power and the potential of right. storytelling, of mm -hmm. presenting effectively, right. which is an often overlooked and underdeveloped it skill is. I have found. It is. Well, you know, you've gone through several different things in your career. They've actually all tied together very nicely. But tell us how you got to where you are today and how you discovered that this really is your passion in life. 
I guess the common denominator is storytelling. So mm-hmm. I did start my career as a journalist. Uh, I, I like to say that I'm still a recovering journalist, even mm-hmm. many years after I left that profession, although I thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was something I was passionate about. Right. That's what drew me in mm-hmm. to the business. I started in print journalism with the Associated Press. Mm-hmm. And that was a great experience, but Mm -hmm. I had become very interested in the multidimensional aspects Mm -hmm. of storytelling that TV provided, that TV news provided, Mm -hmm. the ability to be able to tie in natural sound Mm -hmm. and the visuals and to Mm -hmm. tell a story and to have people feel as if they were Mm -hmm. there experiencing what you were experiencing as you were working to inform Mm -hmm. the public about important issues that impact their lives. And so I did that for about 12 years, Mm -hmm. a couple of years in print and and about 10 years on the broadcasting Mm -hmm. side, almost all TV, but radio Mm -hmm. as well. CNBC had syndicated radio segments that I did. So I got my hands in all of the different kind of media and got Mm -hmm. that, that kind of diverse experience. I was helped greatly by a graduate program that I'd gone through after I'd been a journalist for a couple Mm -hmm. of years already at Medill, the Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern, which was Mm -hmm. a one year. You can get in and get out in 12 months. It was a great pragmatic Mm -hmm. experience that did whet my appetite for for TV news. Mm -hmm. And, And of course, if you want to work on air and TV news, you go to very small markets to cut mm-hmm. your teeth. And so I was in Yuma, Arizona for about Ooh. a year and a half, mm-hmm. and then Colorado Springs, I think mm-hmm. your native state, mm-hmm. uh, for about a year or so, and mm-hmm. then got the opportunity to go to New York and, and start with CNBC when mm-hmm. it was a very, very young, uh, budding television mm-hmm. news network, cable mm-hmm. network. And and. Uh, I had been, I had gotten more and more attractive uh, to business reporting and mm-hmm. financial reporting. Right. Had not seen that kind of coming, if you will, years mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. But I was tired of covering the murder and mayhem. If and, the bleeds, it leads. Mm-hmm. And I exactly, and that really was not what I was particularly passionate mm-hmm. about. But as I learned more about business and economic issues, it kind mm-hmm. of drew me in to that kind of reporting in the smaller markets. Mm -hmm. And so then I stacked my audition reel with uh, my best business Mm -hmm. reporting stories, hoping that CNBC would hire me and was lucky enough to get a job with them and spent a few years at CNBC Mm -hmm. in New York and then transferred to Chicago with them. Uh, And then ended my journalism career uh, with three years of doing morning shows in Chicago for the Fox station there. And reporting business stories periodically for the fledgling Fox Business Network mm-hmm. at the time, but I was getting up two o'clock in the morning. Ugh, yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, in by three thirty, always wanted to write mm-hmm. all of my own copy, so that mm-hmm. was a little more time intensive. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, I've had, I've got a son at that time. He was very, very young. Mm-hmm. I seemed to be missing uh, mm-hmm. things and key developments mm-hmm. in his life, his first steps, all those kinds of oh, things, because mm-hmm. I was working ungodly right. hours, 14, 15 mm-hmm. hours a day. And I began to realize there were a lot of other ways to utilize the communication mm-hmm. skills that are, are so critical to what you do, mm-hmm. to what I do, and what so many people do. Right. And I shifted then into public relations. And, mm-hmm. and as you said, worked for a few of the big PR firms and then in-house uh, at two different public mm-hmm. companies heading up communications teams. Mm -hmm. And then about 11 or 12 years ago, I really, it really sank in that what I was most passionate about doing through all of that public relations Mm -hmm. work was the media training and the presentation coaching of executives who Mm -hmm. needed to develop 
clearer messages and narratives and who needed to, mm-hmm. frankly, be more influential and persuasive mm-hmm. in their communications right. to drive the kinds of business results they were looking for, mm-hmm. to build their personal brands of leadership. And it was something I found that I was really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so I hung a shingle, took a mm-hmm. chance, was encouraged by a number of clients to do mm-hmm. that. And, and knock on wood, it's been uh, what a dozen, no, been 11 years now mm-hmm. since I started. And mm-hmm. I have loved every moment of it because I get to focus on helping people tell mm-hmm. stories and right. tell them in ways that that go beyond mm-hmm. being just informational to being actually influential right? and getting the, re- the kinds of results they're looking for. And again, building their own personal brands mm-hmm. of leadership. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I love that, that, that you do this because so many times senior executives, business owners, people at that level, you know, are maybe they might have the opportunity to do some type of interview. They might, you know, obviously they, you know, are going to be doing presentations, things like that. And, you know, I, like I said, this was way back in my background. I did media training and, uh, you know, and, and I started my career in public relations at the American Cancer Society. Absolute best place in the world to, to do that because our relationship with the media, and this was Denver. So, it, you know, at that point it was, it was a major media and it still is a major media outlet. You know, we've, we had all of the stations there and, and everything. And because of what we were doing, we had good relationships with everybody. Um, you know, the, the the few times where there was something kind of icky, we still had such good relationships that the media, they weren't doing the gotcha type of interviews. Um, and so, you know, I learned there that I needed to remember whether I was doing the interview or training somebody to do it. For the most part, they weren't wanting you to screw up. They were wanting to tell the story. And so they wanted you to tell the story. But so many times people, you know, they, that camera comes on and they're like, oh my God. Yeah. Or they, you know, they try and, and do something different. So, you know, how important is it that people have, you know, if they have any idea that they might be doing interviews, that they have been trained in what to do? It, it is so important. It, it, and it's the, it's a very different mindset. Oftentimes, people go into media interviews or, mm-hmm. frankly, Q&A mm-hmm. at the end of or during a presentation, mm-hmm. and they fail to recognize the tremendous opportunity that exists mm-hmm. if they're well-prepared with their own agenda. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's taking people from a mm-hmm. mindset of being defensive, right. of getting them out mm-hmm. of the response only and survival mm-hmm. mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. And into a mindset of, oh my God, I can actually really accomplish something mm-hmm. here. I've got really important message messages that I need to get across to this particular target mm-hmm. audience to get them to do what mm-hmm. I actually need them to do. And if I've got well-crafted messages that I've kind of personalized mm-hmm. and really made authentic mm-hmm. and, and, and very personable in a right. sense, those are really going to resonate and have far greater influence mm-hmm than just going into those kinds of situations with, oh my God, I just need to get through this. So Mm -hmm. I'm not embarrassing my family the next day Mm -hmm. out there in public, Mm -hmm. or I'm not ticking off board members or Mm -hmm. my leadership team, Mm -hmm. two totally different mindsets. Mm -hmm. And and that fits both with media training and presentation Mm -hmm. coaching. I think that those are two uh, ill-planned for, if you Mm -hmm. will, 
uh, venues, typically, mm-hmm. that people put on the back burner and don't take as seriously mm-hmm. as they should and fail to recognize the tremendous opportunity that exists mm-hmm. if they are well-prepared. Right. And you're right. As a journalist, seldom was I playing gotcha journalism, mm-hmm. trying to nail someone. Right. You were not Geraldo. I was not Geraldo. <laughs> exactly. And, and <laughs> far from it, I, I'd like to think. But what I wanted was interesting, colorful perspective, mm-hmm. and ideally that no one else had gotten yet. Right. Mm-hmm. That would help to color the story and educate mm-hmm. the audience in compelling ways mm-hmm. that kept audiences engaged. And I think right. that kind of mindset, that kind of building a persuasive and compelling case, mm-hmm. plays really well both with the media and when folks are going and giving presentations. Right. And, you know, it's funny, Mike Wallace, uh, for the late mm-hmm. Mike Wallace, uh-huh, from 60 Minutes, and mm-hmm. he used to say that he actually appreciated when some of his interviewees had actually been media trained right? because they were better prepared to mm-hmm. succinctly and in more compelling mm-hmm. ways, share their perspective on issues. Mm-hmm. And he'd get a better story. Even if he didn't agree with their mm-hmm. perspective, he could juxtapose it with mm-hmm. others perspective and it made for really mm-hmm. good storytelling. Right. You know, and I think that in many ways, the media has gotten a very bad rap, especially in say the last 10 years or so. And, and there is, I think people tend to forget because, you know, I am old school media. You know, I don't quite remember Walter Cronkite, but I'm, come, you know, pretty close. <laughs> I but, remember him. Right, right. You know, and, and so, you know, that type of person was very different than what we have now. And there is a very big difference between media and entertainment. And I think, you know, sometimes people get those mixed up. So, you know, it, it, but that's where you, you need to be prepared also. You know, if you get a call and they say, hey, we want to interview you, we want to interview your boss, you know, we're so-and-so, you need to have done your research. You know, is it, okay, this is a true business reporter. This is, you know, whatever, or hmm, this might not be somebody that I want to talk to. And, and I always tell people, it is okay to tell them no. You know, it, it, you, know you get that they decline to reply type of thing. But sometimes that's better than than doing something that's not going to come off well. And actually, the decline to reply isn't bad if you explain why Why? Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be appropriate to reply at that Mm -hmm. point in time, because perhaps what they're asking to share Mm -hmm. is speculative. Right. Or Or there might be legal action going on. Exactly. mm -hmm. Or or personnel issues Mm -hmm. uh, that are quite sensitive Mm -hmm. in nature. And so... Usually journalists get it. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that they won't follow up and try Mm -hmm. to get you to reveal more, Mm -hmm. but they understand if you simply explain why it is Mm -hmm. that it's not appropriate to comment on a particular issue Mm -hmm. at a particular point Mm -hmm. in time, but to share with them that as information Mm -hmm. evolves, as issues develop, Mm -hmm. that you may be available to provide Mm -hmm. further comment on those issues, but now is not the right time. Mm -hmm. Often that's, that's, how effective crisis management goes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. you do not want to speculate on details. You want to share Mm -hmm. just the very little bit you know for certain Mm -hmm. and then share the the compassion and the empathy Mm -hmm. that you have for the situation, for Mm -hmm. those who may have been impacted, Mm -hmm. but you're not going to speculate on the cause or Mm -hmm. other details. And you're simply going to explain that to reporters. And for the most part, they totally get that. Right. Oh, yeah, because they don't want to have to fix things later either. You know, if they have to go back and say, oh, this was said, but this was really the case, it makes them look bad. 
That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Same thing, by the way, in Q&A, I found mm-hmm. in presentations right. mm-hmm. when executives are in front of mm-hmm. their all employee team meetings, mm-hmm. if you will, mm-hmm. and they're answering some pretty challenging questions. Mm-hmm. They're asked sometimes to speculate on mm-hmm. things. I mean, those same principles apply, mm-hmm. not wanting to take out a crystal ball right. and guess mm-hmm. or put a, a stake in the ground or mm-hmm. promise something that you may not be able to deliver on. Right. So I think the wise and seasoned leaders out there communicating through the media or via presentations are clear in their minds mm-hmm. in terms of what they can share and what's appropriate mm-hmm. to share now and w- what those guardrails are mm-hmm. that they don't want to go beyond for the mm-hmm. time being. Right. You know, and then there's, you know, there's, there's, there's reactive where they have come to you. Maybe they have appeared at your door, you know, all of these various things. But I love the proactive, you know, where you have this great story to tell. And like I said, I started out at the American Cancer Society. I've had the opportunity that the stories we had to tell were great, compelling stories. But, you know, businesses have those type of stories all the time. So talk to us about how we go about doing the proactive type of, of media relations. Yeah, I think it's that's why we're seeing, by the way, so much focus on corporate social responsibility mm-hmm. these days, companies aligning with purpose-filled organizations right. or purposeful mm-hmm. organizations. And that's so important that they build that public trust because then when they have difficult issues, mm-hmm. they may have to kind of withdraw some of You've that. You've got that bank, trust, mm-hmm. if you will, but they've mm-hmm. got that trust bank that one of my old bosses who's uh, unfortunately passed away a few mm-hmm. years ago, Al Golan, who founded the mm-hmm. great PR firm Golan Harris, mm-hmm. which is now just Golan. He used to talk about that public trust bank mm-hmm. and companies have gotten a lot better about doing that so that they can weave that into their storytelling, especially on the back end of dealing with some very, very challenging issues. Mm-hmm. But they still have got to be prepared to, as you said, proactively on their terms, get out in front of issues with the right levels of honesty and candor and transparency, and yet be influential in the ways that they're taking the right steps to correct something that may have gone wrong, for example, or to to take a better course than perhaps they've been taking up until this point. So getting ahead of those issues is so important, but it requires being well-prepared, developing crystal clear, succinct key messages that you build your narrative, that you build your story around. And then so importantly, and and I work with executives all the time to personalize the storytelling so that it's not rehearsing three key contrived messages. Because that just, when it sounds rehearsed, we don't like it. That just doesn't No, we don't. It's not authentic and it, it just doesn't feel good. But when a seasoned leader can take those three core messages that are so important to communicate in in any way and weave in a few of their own personal insights and anecdotes and experience that they've had that's relevant to what they're sharing, that is so much more memorable and so much more persuasive. And there are studies that show that. I get to do some work with the Kellogg School of Management at Northwestern fairly frequently. And one of their professors, Mohan Sani, uh, there's a great quote from him that I love. And he says, stories tend to stand the test of time because they connect with us at a deeper and more meaningful level. He says that 
you can share a bunch of facts with, with audiences, but when you then weave in your colorful take of those facts or an anecdote or an experience you may have had in a similar situation way back when, that's what becomes so much more memorable and personable. That's what people will remember. And that's what's going to influence them to take the actions we want them to take. Right. You know, and we've all seen the talking heads. And I think part of it is when it seems so rehearsed, it doesn't seem believable either. You know, and, right. and so it's, you know, and, and this is typically if it's a negative type of, of story, we want to see, okay, this person has a heart. They care about this. They feel really bad that they, you know, what was the, the, the company? Oh gosh, this was now several weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago. The, the company that laid a whole bunch of people off over Zoom. And, you know, and basically, if I remember right, it was if you are part of this call, you are in that termination thing. And then when they interviewed him, because, you know, hello, it hit the fan. Um, when they interviewed him, he was like, eh, it was a business decision. Then he had to backtrack because people were like, whoa. No empathy. Absolutely no empathy. And people generally understand that as a leader, you've got to deliver some tough messages mm -hmm. and you have to make some difficult changes at times. Mm -hmm. But those have to be delivered in those messages in empathetic mm -hmm. ways. In fact, a number of the top MBA programs, Kellogg included, mm -hmm. is weaving empathy into a lot of their right. leadership mm -hmm. training. They're talking more and more about empathy mm -hmm. because that is... It's a skill set almost, mm -hmm. in a sense, to be able to weave that into mm -hmm. those very difficult conversations mm -hmm. you're having in ways that people may still not feel great about, but will at least understand you're doing the best mm -hmm. you can and you care about them right. uh, and that that caring mm -hmm. is, is genuine. And, and, and it takes some practice, but empathy is becoming a mm -hmm. bigger and bigger, more critical part mm -hmm. of leadership communications mm -hmm. these days. Right. You know, and it is tricky when you're doing an interview, especially if it is a live interview, because it's it's a short period of time. I mean, you know, I, I used to tell people you might be interviewed for five minutes, but 30 seconds will air. So that is where being prepared, all of those various things definitely comes in. But it's also you need to realize that, that it could be edited out. Your great yes. answer could be edited out. But, it you know. It, I also told people that's where you don't want to say the things like, yes, but no, but because it edited to yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> it can be taken totally out of context pretty easily. And that's why in the preparation, I seldom, if ever, recommend that people memorize content, right. whether it's key messages mm -hmm. or whether you're getting ready for a presentation. Mm -hmm. You want to know that content. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to glance at a PowerPoint mm -hmm. slide or a bullet point mm -hmm. on a notepad that's just a couple of words mm -hmm. that will remind you of that idea mm -hmm. you want to share. And you may share it slightly differently mm -hmm. each time, right. but it's going to feel authentic to mm -hmm. the audience. And it is authentic mm -hmm. because you're speaking a little bit more extemporaneously mm -hmm. from the heart as well as the mind. Mm -hmm. And when we memorize those things, it's very difficult to to not sound like you've memorized it right. or that it's been it's contrived or has been created by your mm -hmm. public relations team that said you've got to say it exactly mm -hmm. this way. That doesn't resonate with people mm -hmm. anymore. I'm not sure that it really ever did, mm -hmm. but there's a lot more focus now on what I like to call adopting 
and adapting content. Mm-hmm. Right. So large organizations develop key messages, which are really important. Mm-hmm. And then they right. have different leaders mm-hmm. of different functional mm-hmm. areas go out and communicate. Mm-hmm. And it's important that everybody harmoniously get those key messages across. But mm-hmm. what's so important mm-hmm. is for those to resonate with audiences that each individual leader or mm-hmm. emerging leader is adopting those key messages, but adapting them to his mm-hmm. or her right. voice mm-hmm. and saying those ideas, mm-hmm. sharing those ideas in ways that are comfortable and conversationally fitting with their own conversational right. demeanor and, and adjusted or tailored for the specific concerns and interests of that audience. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's another part of preparation that I see all too often ignored, mm-hmm. thinking about the different audiences with whom you may need to share information mm-hmm. or different media mm-hmm. with different audiences with whom you may need to share information. But how do I tailor those mm-hmm. messages right. and use, use examples or anecdotes that I know are going to address their specific mm-hmm. interests and concerns? Right. And that takes a little bit of time to understand mm-hmm. who those audiences are, mm-hmm. what's on their mind, so that you can proactively get those important points on the table mm-hmm. and let them know immediately why what you have to share is so important for them. Mm-hmm. Right. So critically important. Well, and when we memorize, you know, like you, you all of the, the things you said, but then it's also the thing, if something stops you in the middle of that thought process, it's very hard when you've memorized it to come back to that. Exactly right. And and we see that happen all the time, you know, and, and granted, because I do this, you know, I, I tend to get the giggles or something. I'm like, oh, he had that memorized and that. And it can be just something as simple as, you know, the bird flies by, a phone rings. I mean, something to momentarily distract you, your brain shuts that off and then you can't, it's like, you don't even know what sentence you were saying. It's exactly. And that is a risk of, of memorization because mm-hmm. we're committing to our mind a string of specific words mm-hmm. and then thinking less about the actual ideas mm-hmm. right. themselves or the concepts mm-hmm. that we're sharing. And I, more often than not, I find that, that executives are way more familiar with what they want to share than they give themselves credit mm-hmm. for. Right. And they're, they're worried, they're concerned about hitting every little element just mm-hmm. right. The audience isn't really concerned mm-hmm. about that. And if, if the, the presenter overlooks a little detail or something, big deal. You mm-hmm. can always come back to that right. and share it later. Mm-hmm. Or if they want to ask about that, mm-hmm. you overlooked it, you can answer mm-hmm. it at, at that point in time. But people tend to put so much pressure on themselves mm-hmm. to be perfect. And there is no perfection, right. I don't think, in storytelling. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is, a little less than perfect tends to resonate really well because we're only human mm-hmm. and people right. can relate to that. Yeah. And when we're presenting or doing a media interview, mm-hmm. most people are out there thinking, oh my God, thank God it's Deb up there doing that and, and not me. And right? I'm not having to be up there because exactly. yeah, what is it? The fear of public speaking. Mm-hmm. That's it. Biggest, by the way, I did some research on this recently for a presentation I was doing. That is the single biggest fear noted by the, I think it's the, the mental health, the mm-hmm. uh, mental right. health Institute, I believe, or I forget exactly what the, uh, what the organization is, but there are a number of organizations that have studied this. I think 76 or 77% of the American public that were surveyed. Mm-hmm. And this was a big survey mm-hmm. said that that was their biggest fear mm-hmm. was public speaking right. greater than the fear of heights, 
And greater, I love this one, greater than the fear of spiders. Oh, no, mm-mm. no, spiders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Spider, yeah, you, for me, heights is a much greater fear than mm-hmm. the than public speaking. Right, but, right. But that's another thing. I think there are people, many people fear it, mm-hmm. or at least it causes them some anxiety mm-hmm. and nervousness. And there, and this is true for media interviews as well as presentations. Mm-hmm. And you can channel that nervous, mm-hmm. anxiety-driven mm-hmm. energy into very positive mm-hmm. energy. You can channel it in very positive mm-hmm. ways and embrace those opportunities. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that fear and anxiety prevents people from tackling a presentation, mm-hmm. from preparing adequately mm-hmm. and appropriately, and they tend to then procrastinate until mm-hmm. the last minute. And now they're almost guaranteeing that right, they're not because they're not prepared. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's right. exactly right. Mm-hmm. So preparedness is so important, but that can be done in very time efficient ways. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and it, when I started doing this, like I said, you know, it was it was very different. And but the, the concepts are still the same. And I think what people need to realize is, you know, when we're talking about giving a presentation, it could be to two people. You know, it doesn't all of these various things. And so you need to have these skills to be able to do this. And and one of the things now, of course, obviously, is podcasting. I have people who I've, I've actually, and now it's really funny. I've had two people recently that I recorded interviews with. One I knew it was his first interview. Now, my goal, you know, is is to make people think, okay, this was great. I can do this again. <laughs> you know? yes. I'm, now, an hour is a big chunk to bite off for your very first interview. I mean, that's – but he also knew we would have a good chat, and, and he'd listen to my programs and, and all of these things. And and he did fine. He was He was perfectly fine with that. But then I had somebody who I interviewed, and their program ran last week. It was great. It was fabulous. I found out today it was his first interview. I had no idea. I mean, he was, now it was his wife and I. And so, you know, yeah, we were kind of the girls and we took a bit, you know, took the conversation over a bit, but it still came across as being, you know, he, but he knew what he was going to be talking about. And that's one of the things that I ask when I'm having guests on is to prepare. I have them provide me with speaking points. So that kind of starts that, that process going and so that's great. Of course, it doesn't work if somebody just appears in front of you with a microphone. Right. But you still should have at least some of the basics down in your head. If it's yes. especially if it's your business or if there is a potential that you're going to be interviewed. You bet. I, I, and I talk about these principles all the time, but I never try never to go into any kind of venue, virtual or live in person or even on the phone, without having a few minutes mm-hmm. to think through what is it that I want to be able to share? Mm -hmm. And just jotting down a few words to remind me of some key concepts Mm -hmm. or principles I want to make sure to cover. Mm -hmm. I I do that. I did that for this podcast. Mm -hmm. You asked a really just a few key questions in the forum that I filled out for you, Mm -hmm. just to give you a sense of the kinds of things that I like to talk about, what I focus on and Mm -hmm. that fit with the the program. And that was actually very helpful in getting me kind of on track to Mm -hmm. think through what would be the appropriate elements uh, to share. With, mm-hmm. with you, we could go with communications. You can go right. in so many different mm-hmm. directions, and, and oh my goodness, it opens mm-hmm. up. You say, and an hour can absolutely mm-hmm. fly by when you talk. In, at mm-hmm. least in my opinion, when you're talking about this really interesting subject of how to mm-hmm. communicate 
more impactfully, more mm-hmm. effectively and, per- and persuasively mm-hmm. with audiences. And, and that it doesn't have to be a lot of preparation, but just mm-hmm. to get the mind thinking and on track mm-hmm. with what are those several, a few or several key points I want to make sure I get to. And if it's within your wheelhouse, it's your area of expertise. Mm-hmm. Most people that you have on, if not all people you have on as a guest, probably could speak for hours right. on mm-hmm. their topics. Mm-hmm. No problem at all. Mm-hmm. Because they are experts in that. Uh, you know, and, and granted, most of this is a business type of topic and, and things like that. But, you know, I've had people on, I mean, it, their personal story always comes in. And, and I, you know, story, again, is, is very important part of it. And that's part of why I asked that question at the start. Tell us about yourself and how you got, you know, how you got to where you, where you are today. It's not, you know, we're diving right in. Part of that too is to relax them. You know, even though people say they don't like to talk about themselves, it's really funny. It does tend to relax them when I say, you know, tell me, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. And when I'm working with executives, oftentimes they've got a team because mm-hmm. oftentimes it's a CEO or a CFO mm-hmm. or an SVP at a mm-hmm. company, and they've got a team that's pulling mm-hmm. together their slides for right. a presentation mm-hmm. or they're talking points for a mm-hmm. media interview. And there, some oftentimes there's some really good message mm-hmm. points there mm-hmm. and some key pieces of evidence, mm-hmm. what we like to call proof points right. that mm-hmm. are specific examples mm-hmm. or facts or statistics that provide that persuasive mm-hmm. evidence. What's not there? most of the time Mm -hmm. or almost all of the time Mm -hmm. is anything that's personalized Mm -hmm. to that particular individual who's because they might the the team might not know it that's exactly that's exactly right Mm -hmm. and so one of the the key areas that i work with folks on is how do you take those key messages and i'll work to help develop the key messages Mm -hmm. too but how do you take those and really personalize Mm -hmm. those messages in ways that only you Mm -hmm. would deliver to audiences Mm -hmm. and by the way one of the things I'm most passionate about, and that ties to Q&A mm-hmm. as well, because right. so many mm-hmm. people go into Q&A with this survival mindset instead of- What are they going to ask me? What are they going to ask me? <laughs> what are they going to ask me? And can I survive? Mm-hmm. As opposed to recognizing, in my view, that Q&A mm-hmm. may be the greatest opportunity mm-hmm. for you to get across compelling messages mm-hmm. and to personalize mm-hmm. those a little bit. Because you're actually going to be getting that information across on someone else's terms. They've asked you the question. Mm-hmm. So there's a model that I use that it, that goes beyond just responding mm-hmm. to the question. We do right. want to credibly and honestly, as best we can, respond to questions. But the huge opportunity then is the ability to be able to what we call bridge right. back, mm-hmm. segue back mm-hmm. to your key messages, mm-hmm. lead that discussion back to, to reaffirm those particularly important points that mm-hmm. you're there to get across in the first place mm-hmm. and to personalize them in mm-hmm. colorful. And each time you hit a key message, you're going to share it a little bit differently and right. you might be able to share mm-hmm. a different personal anecdote mm-hmm. or at least a phrase that reflects your mm-hmm. genuine passion, conviction in the strategy that you're mm-hmm. laying out, in the optimism mm-hmm. that you have for the future, whatever that is huge opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that's where I see the greatest level of missed Mm -hmm. opportunities Mm -hmm. when people are giving presentations or doing media interviews, Mm -hmm. certainly, where they're simply responding Mm -hmm. and not leading the discussion in very productive, influential ways. You know, and it's gotten the bad name of spin, um, you know, but it is, 
it is about taking it in and and I hate to say twisting or maneuvering, but but getting back to to what you wanted to do. And you know, I remember you know, years ago when I was at the Cancer Society, we had something going on, and I had this wonderful volunteer who did my media interviews. I've actually interviewed her on this program. She is a wonderful, delightful woman, a true PR expert. I mean, this she she knew what she was doing, and and I don't remember if we were talking about breast cancer or prostate cancer. But as you can imagine, you know, sometimes you could get giggly with some of those questions. And one of the the, the radio programs that we put her on, the, the two guys were in their early 20s. And they wanted to take, I don't, and like I said, I don't remember which one of those topics it was, but they wanted to take those topics down into the giggle, giggle, giggle fest. <laughs> she let them do that. And then, and she kind of laughed along with them. And she's, and then she very gently said, that's great, but here's what I'm here to talk about. Perfect. And, you know, and, and she did it in a way that they didn't feel chastised, that they didn't feel, you know, anything. I mean, she just, because she went along with it. She didn't cut them off. She didn't say, look, boys, you know, she just said, you know, Hey, that's great. That's really funny. But let's talk about the serious aspects of this. And and they immediately responded. I mean, you know, and, and she said it was really funny because they physically responded also. You know, they were the 12-year-old boys. Then they were the professionals. <laughs> and and she's, But she knew exactly what she was doing. But again, it came back to the fact that she was prepared. And that's the difference mm -hmm. between kind of what I view as spin or what the media often call pivoting. Right. Mm-hmm. Pivoting, and when you hear the media say, oh, the congressman or woman pivoted on that issue, mm -hmm. what they're often saying is they dodged the question. They dodged the question. They, mm -hmm. they really didn't mm -hmm. acknowledge the question, respond directly to the question, but went straight mm -hmm. to their message. When people do that, in my mind, they lose mm -hmm. total credibility. Right. And I yeah, wanna... because you're like, now, wait a minute. And, and a good reporter will take them back to that. They'll say, you know, that's great, but I asked about. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So why not? I mean, mm -hmm. credibly address that question. Mm -hmm. And instead of pivoting or spinning, mm -hmm. you are, you're listening, mm -hmm. you're responding as best you can mm -hmm. to what they've mm -hmm. put out there as a question, but then you are proactively leading that discussion mm -hmm. back in conversational ways to your agenda. Mm -hmm. And when you're armed with a compelling agenda with the right kinds of messages and the right kinds of personalization, mm -hmm. The audiences are going to be really happy to have you go back to that place right. because mm -hmm. because you've planned those messages in a mm -hmm. way that are going to resonate mm -hmm. with that particular audience that you know is mm -hmm. meaningful to that particular audience mm -hmm. and and so it, it, things come up in presentations people interrupt uh, right. people interject that kind of humor if you they will they drop a tray of glasses <laughs> exactly silly to try to ignore it. Why not embrace it, acknowledge it? Yeah. Are y'all okay? That discussion yeah. back mm -hmm. to the right place. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, and it is funny when you're watching an interview or listening to something and something happens and and they don't acknowledge it. You know, it's kind of like, okay, oh what was that big crash? Because then you're thinking, what was that big crash? Why aren't they talking about that big crash? And then you get stuck on what was that big crash as opposed to what they, they're talking about. And in the virtual world? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Um, where do we start in terms of the potential distractions right. that, that occur mm -hmm. when we're having to communicate so much of the time now in virtual platforms? Mm -hmm. And and I tell people, I had someone a few weeks ago, 
his cat jumped right up on the keyboard. We were in the middle of a coaching session. And, and literally, he was in the middle of practicing. I was recording him so that I could play it back. And the cat jumps up. Right. And he kind of like tried to ignore it and push the cat away. That's very when you pet the cat and you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Make a joke. Say, you know what? This, that's the virtual world we're in, folks. I'm sorry for the cat. We'll, I'll try to scurry him out of the room and get back to what's important here. I, I had that happen on, a, on one of my interviews last week. And the cat jumped up. And, you know, we talked about the cat because, you know, the cat was there and the cat laid down in his lap and that was fine. And then later on in the interview, up from the bottom of the screen comes this paw. (laughs) 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 And it was kind of like, hello. That's funny. That's great. (laughs) And I let it go, you know, and, and, you know, far more people listen to the program than watch it. And so, you know, but, but I, I finally had to acknowledge it because I was just about to, to crack up because this was <laughs> just, no. <laughs> no, but to be sure we can minimize in right. these virtual oh, yeah. platforms, some of the distractions to turn off the pings and dings of email and uh, messages coming in and the phone and all of that. I do try to block out as much as I possibly can from an audio perspective so that I can stay, stay focused on the matter that we're discussing at any point in time. And you and I have talked in the past about the importance of having a good microphone, a decent microphone that picks up your voice clearly. You know, it's interesting. I, I work with some very senior level executives at, at large companies, and I can't believe how often They'll give a, they'll lead a team meeting mm-hmm. or hold a conversation and they are, you know, way down here in the screen. Or you're looking up their nose. Too much headroom, I love it. I'm like, or they're way too close, you know, and you're seeing, you know, I'm not an ear, nose and throat specialist. It's too much information for me. Instead of having a nice executive presence in the virtual world, which I would argue is every bit as important as when you're there in person, mm-hmm. because it, the reality is, we're having to engage audiences and compel them and influence them, reaching through these technology barriers. Mm-hmm. And that is very tricky. And mm-hmm. we've got to use our voice. We've got to have a good commanding presence. We need them to trust us, to believe in us as leaders and emerging leaders, and even young people in their careers mm-hmm. who have that kind of presence, I think, are going to ascend in their careers mm-hmm. that much more quickly. And it's just as important in the virtual world if not more so mm-hmm. than right. when we're there in person, because it's a way to stand out, mm-hmm. but because of the need to really reach through these technology barriers and, and compel audiences to do what we need them mm-hmm. to do. I had a great deal of difficulty myself in TV news in my early days, mm-hmm. being myself and getting comfortable looking into a camera lens or a teleprompter when I was right. in the studio mm-hmm. and being conversational. Mm-hmm. I was hideously uncomfortable. And if you don't believe me, I could grab my wife and bring her in here and she will attest to that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this was back when there were still VHS tapes and she would Mm -hmm. tape some of my segments and I'd come home and we'd pop it in because I Mm -hmm. wanted to learn to get better. And I'd watch myself and I Mm -hmm. honest to God want to crawl under the sofa or pack my bags and leave town. It was so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It took me a long time to learn to get comfortable Mm -hmm. in this kind of a medium. And and it's practice. Mm-hmm. It's practicing aloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's practicing having the steady eye contact at or near the, mm-hmm. the camera as much as possible during right. virtual calls. Mm-hmm. But I am seeing that kind of presence pay off time and again for executives mm-hmm. who are getting feedback from their teams mm-hmm. and from their uh, leadership colleagues or from their boards mm-hmm. saying, 
oh my goodness, what a difference mm-hmm. uh, in your communication mm-hmm. or in the quarterly call with analysts mm-hmm. or w- whatever that particular venue is, what a difference we noticed mm-hmm. in your presence and mm-hmm. level of persuasiveness, mm-hmm. frankly. Right. You know, and I think we absolutely have to embrace and acknowledge that this virtual world is not going away. No. Um, you know, I think it probably was coming no matter what, and the pandemic sped it up. Yep. But the cool thing is now we can communicate with people around the world. We yep. don't have to go in. Now, I love in person. I mean, yeah. you know, especially as a speaker, because you feed off of that energy. And it's really yes. hard when it's the screen and, you know, <laughs> and, and, and the all little these, video clips of people are tiny and you know. can't really see and, their and facial can, expressions. Yeah, and, then, and then they turn their camera off and you're like, uh oh. Um, right. And so, yeah. you know, there's all of these things, but we can figure out how to do it. And, and, and part of it is, and we were talking about this before, you know, what things look like behind us. You know, the first couple weeks of, of the pandemic, it was okay to have the, the, the bed behind you because you yeah. had, had to take over somebody's bedroom. Right. But then, you know, get a screen, do something. Uh, you know, it was at one of the times when I was interviewing somebody and I mean, you know, they're seeing what I'm seeing. And so this was the funniest thing. He was in his kitchen, you know, so he's at his kitchen table. That's great. Not everybody had the ability to have a home office. Well, partway through the interview, son comes in, makes himself a sandwich. Now, he never made a sound. I mean, it was the funniest thing in the world. Makes <laughs> himself a sandwich. Every once in a while, he'd look at us. And I finally said, hello. <laughs> <laughs> like, Called him out. Yeah. Kind of like the cat walking across. Yeah. Um, but I, I had somebody else uh, that I was talking to because we were talking. Uh, it, it was a seminar I was on. And we were talking about how as a public speaker, it's now very difficult because, like I said, we're not in front of the crowd. We're not feeding on that. And he, what he has done, and he he does lots and lots of, of presentations, he does it like he was still in front of people. So his camera is further away. He is standing. Um, and now he also has the technology where he's got a couple cameras. You know, he can very quickly switch back and forth between them so that he's got some close ups and he's got some further aways. But to me, this is fascinating. I mean, you know, we had somebody the other day that had a it's it's not a whiteboard. It was clear glass. And he wrote on it. And, and of course, it, it was it was t- reflecting as he as he told us, I'm not writing backwards, yeah. um, you know, and and. I mean, it was just fascinating with the technology. And then he would walk over and sit down at his desk. Now, he clearly had camera people and he had more than one camera. So they were doing all this. But it made this presentation so interesting because it wasn't the talking head just sitting here. And, And I mean, it really was very good. So I think for people who really are going to embrace that they're going to do this, it's, it's time to think about what can we do? How can we make it more than the talking head? Exactly. And that t- if you have that kind of additional technology that can play really well, if you know how to play with it well. Right. But mm-hmm. for many people who, who don't have the multiple camera angles and what or the multiple monitors and whatnot, it's all the more important that they use their voice in yes. engaging ways and the body language. I mean, I, I see people standing or sitting perfectly still when they're doing I know. calls. And now, they thinking, shouldn't okay, be doing the wobble, now, wobble, wobble. We're but... rocking, right? Or, or just <laughs> repetitive motions that get, make you seasick. And instead of trying to just gesture as they normally would, that's why I like to be back a little bit, kind of a head and shoulder shot right. in the virtual mm-hmm. world. 
It's great if if you're moving your hands. Mm-hmm. It's, if you want to point out three key things and you're mm-hmm. holding up, you hold three, three fingers, fingers up, right? And for myself, because I know I tend to get a little bit serious sometimes about issues, and I might look like I'm overly concerned. At least this is what my family has told me over the years. I actually keep in my desk drawer a couple of photos that I have cut out of groups of of smiling faces, just in so magazines. You're talking to found. them, mm-hmm. and I will right. I will tape that on a little cardboard backing to the back of my laptop mm-hmm. near where my camera is right. to remind me to lighten up, dude, the world's mm-hmm. not falling apart. Right. This isn't that serious mm-hmm. to remind me to smile when there isn't anybody else in the mm-hmm. room smiling with me. And, mm-hmm. and so there are all sorts of little tips and tricks right. that you can implement to try to make it mm-hmm. a little bit more personable so right. that it feels to you and it feels to the audience mm-hmm. as, as much as mm-hmm if you're there in person as we possibly can create, it is really important. Yeah. And you mentioned one of the keywords and that's practice, you know, and, and I remember when I was truly doing media training, we did, we, you know, there, there was the interviewer um, and all of these various things, but we filmed them and then we would look at it and we would critique. And, and it was always interesting because you got the fidgeters. Yes. You, you know, if, if you're, and, and I said, we are not going to put you in a chair that rocks right, or, or rolls, right? Yeah, you know, now yeah. I'm in a chair that, I mean, I can do this, but I also plant my feet. I don't mm-hmm. cross my legs because then yeah. I'm not going to do the weeble wobble, weeble wobble thing. Right. Um, and one of the things that we discovered also, and with men typically was they, they did the key jingle or the, the coin jingle. They had their hands in their pockets oh. And, you know, and so we're like, uh-uh, anything in your, and, and I mean, it was comfortable for them to stand that way. And that was fine. We yeah. wanted them to, to be in that comfortable pose, but it's get everything out of your pocket so yes. that you're not doing the jingle jangle thing. Yes. Except I find, to be honest with you, that when we're in front of live audiences, even if they don't have the keys or the jingle jangle of change mm-hmm. in their pocket, mm-hmm. that they're not keeping their hands in their pockets. Right. As many guys like to do, they kind of walk around the stage mm-hmm. and because mm-hmm. it's very constraining. Mm-hmm. Why not just have the hands comfortably just up in front so you can <laughs> gesture and reach right. out and embrace mm-hmm. that audience in ways. And it's equally important in the virtual world. I really believe it is because again, mm-hmm. we're having to reach through this barrier and grab them. Right. And and by the way, openings and closings. Oh, yes. In person mm-hmm. or virtually are so important. Mm-hmm. To, I like to talk about unconventional beginnings to presentations. Ah. The, the last thing you probably like to see, as is the case with me, mm-hmm. is when someone in the virtual world or in person mm-hmm. gets up, introduces themselves by name, mm-hmm. give their name. Hi, I'm Deb Creer. I'm going to talk to you today about. And here, right. And here's my agenda slide. Mm-hmm. The three things we're going to. Oh, so let's go to A and then we'll go to B and C. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And how much, how long is this thing? That's when we turn our cameras off, right? Because they're not going to notice we're not paying attention. At best, it's what we turn the cameras off. Mm -hmm. If not, you know, get out of there completely. Mm -hmm. So think of creative ways to grab their attention Mm -hmm. right away. And and there are a lot of those. And and sharing a personal, starting with a personal Mm -hmm. story or anecdote or a startling Mm -hmm. statistic Mm -hmm. or fact to grab their attention. Something that's mm-hmm. going to blow their mind, mm-hmm. or a favorite personal quote mm-hmm. that's relevant to the mm-hmm. topic you're going to address. Right. There are lots of ways to do that. Watch got- jokes. We all know jokes can go wrong. <laughs> There's a high risk factor there. Mm-hmm. I don't tell people absolutely not to do it right. if they know the audience really well mm-hmm. and they understand who they are and what's on their mind. And then an appropriate bit of humor right. may mm-hmm. succeed. 
Mm-hmm. But if it falls flat, it's a really awkward way mm-hmm. of trying to get momentum going mm-hmm. at the start of a presentation. Mm-hmm. But and the other big missed opportunity is at the close of presentations mm-hmm. or the close of interviews mm-hmm. where a reporter says anything else you want to mention. And someone no. says, I think you it all. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, no, no, no. Huge mm-hmm. softball opportunity. Mm-hmm. To summarize the essence of what you shared, mm-hmm. what's the most important mm-hmm. takeaway? What's the lead of the story or the headline you'd love mm-hmm. to see? What's the most important point you want that audience to remember when they walk mm-hmm. out of the auditorium? Mm-hmm. And then what's the call to action? Right. Mm-hmm. What is it explicitly that they can mm-hmm. do to learn more or to pitch mm-hmm. in or rally around the mm-hmm. strategy even better. Mm-hmm. And, and what are you going to do to help them mm-hmm. do that? So summary and call to action, mm-hmm. two elements that so often I see missed. I see people hit their last slide and then it's like, who am I tossing to next? And they hand the baton off. Right. Mm-hmm. Huge missed opportunity mm-hmm. to really summarize the essence, the key takeaways that they've shared with mm-hmm. that audience. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and because I, I, I was going to say, because I know what I'm doing, um, because I've done so many of these, I, I lobbed that softball, you know, I always, we get to the end of the interview and I say, you know, and we're not quite there yet, but I will say, so what final thought do you want to leave us with? And I prepare people. I tell them I'm going to ask that. And most of the time they're okay with it. They've got one. Every once in a while I have somebody who says, nope, we covered it all. Yeah, And and then I kind of get the deer in headlights look right. Um, you know, because yeah, uh, but, but yeah, you know, there's always something you can say, even if it's just, thank you so much for this opportunity. I've had a great time talking with your audience. You know, don't just, okay, I'm done. No, because, and and sometimes you get that totally open-ended question at the end, but you also get it at the beginning Mm -hmm. of, of media interviews where a reporter says, Tell me about what's going on. Tell me about your new product or your new service, Mm -hmm. or tell me what you know about this trend Mm -hmm. or this issue that we're here to talk about today. Mm -hmm. You can, if you're well-prepared, you need to be ready to take that conversation in the direction that you know is going to be most Mm -hmm. productive and beneficial for the organization Mm -hmm. that you're representing. Mm -hmm. So both of those are are Mm -hmm. huge opportunities that I often see Mm -hmm. missed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those softball, open-ended softball questions throw people, even mm-hmm. sometimes right. fairly well-prepared people, mm-hmm. because they were thinking the questions were going to be very specific mm-hmm. in nature. And then they're almost overwhelmed by the mm-hmm. question and they think, oh my God, I could go in 10 different mm-hmm. directions. Which one should I go mm-hmm. in? Well, you should make that decision before right. the presentation mm-hmm. or before the interview mm-hmm. so that you know very mm-hmm. specifically the roadmap for those messages you're going to get mm-hmm. to and get across right. come hell or high water in an interview or presentation. Right. Yeah. You know, and one of the, the the fun things, you know, when we're talking about tech is be prefer- prepared for the fact that tech can go wrong. Um, you know, it's, uh, we used to have to plan on, okay, what if the overhead projector doesn't work? Now it's, what if the camera doesn't work? What if, you know, all these various things so you need to be prepared for that. You know, what if your microphone isn't working? All of these things, because you, if you're prepared for that, you're still going to have your messaging in mind and you're not going to be thinking about all of those things. Now, right. you know, there's there's ways, in, and you and I did this at the very start. We tested mics. We did all of those things. Sometimes you can't do that because it's, you know, something that happens very quickly, but you can still have prepared for that and and know, okay, well, if I can't, 
do a screen share. I had better be able to still talk about what my slide showed. And I see that probably at least once a month where we poke the buttons, we poke the buttons, we spend 10 minutes poking the buttons, we never get the presentation up and then it's done. Um, you yes. know, I'm sorry if your slide doesn't work when you hit share and it doesn't work the first couple of times, give up. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I always keep a backup, mm-hmm. uh, a, a printed out version right. of slides mm-hmm. just in case mm-hmm. that happens. I, I also use <laughs> these with clients, I the handy dandy two-sided laminated cards ah, that I give mm-hmm. them as leave behinds that summarize typically the kinds mm-hmm. of things we cover. So I'll yep. keep one of those handy too, just mm-hmm. to, as a checklist to make sure that I'm covering the right elements that mm-hmm. we were scheduled mm-hmm. to cover and that I'm not leaving anything, that they're not mm-hmm. missing something because mm-hmm. we had some kind of technical problem. Right. And I got to tell you, sometimes when technical problems occur, I find that the presentation opportunity becomes even more intimate right. and more mm-hmm. resonant mm-hmm. because now we're, we're really human. Mm-hmm. We're we're winging it in a mm-hmm. little bit from a technology perspective, but what a great opportunity to show your expertise and how well you know the subject right. matter. And, yeah. how much and you're not going to be reading it from your slide, whether it's on the it. screen in front of you or behind you, right? We love the That's speakers right. that are doing that. I'm staring behind oh. me the whole time. <laughs> and every time you do that, you disengage from mm-hmm. the audience and you lose that important eye contact. Mm-hmm. And I probably just disengaged from a mic as well because I Turn uh-huh. away from it now. I know. I oh, well. yeah. We've I've done that before. I'm like, I can't hear you. And then I realize it's because I unplugged myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, oh my gosh, Jeff. We have to to do this again. I would love to chat with you again because there's so many things that we could continue talking about. But for people who are going, okay. I probably do need help in this. What are the services that you offer? And then how do people connect with you? Sure. Well, let me segue into that just briefly. Share One of my favorite quotes is, stories are the single most powerful weapon in a leader's arsenal. And that's not for me. That's from a guy named Howard Gardner, who's a professor emeritus at Harvard. Mm-hmm. Presentations, and for some folks, media interviews are, I think, the most overlooked skill set Mm-hmm. In in the corporate world, in the organizational mm-hmm. world, tremendous opportunities mm-hmm. exist there. And seeing these opportunities being missed for many years, and then when COVID hit mm-hmm. and everything was virtual, I was working on another book that was going to be, and, and still will be at some point, a leader's guide to communicating mm-hmm. on the fly. How do you quickly, swiftly develop key messages and personalize them and communicate effectively in a variety of venues? Well, when COVID hit, And online courses really began to take off even more. I said, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm going to shift the content that I've written for the book Mm -hmm. into an online course Mm -hmm. because a lot of my clients at the very senior levels of organizations have frequently said to me, you know, Jeff, this coaching, this training, presentation, coaching, media training is so useful. I wish we could share this with hundreds of others through the organization but we don't have the budget to put them all one-to-one through the Mm -hmm. coaching programs or in small groups. And that was the impetus to develop an online course Mm -hmm. that we just just launched. Mm -hmm. It's called Presenting with Persuasion. You mentioned it earlier, Mm -hmm. the premier fast track to powerful storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's about two and a half hours of video instruction for me with slides with about Mm -hmm. eight worksheets and checklists to coach people Mm -hmm. through my apex approach, mm-hmm. apex is capital A, capital P, capital E, little X, mm-hmm. anticipate, prepare, execute mm-hmm. the three key stages of developing and delivering 
compelling content in any kind of venue. Mm -hmm. And I'm so proud of everything that I included in this course Mm -hmm. and I'm getting some really good feedback already. It's, it's not as personalized as the coaching Mm -hmm. or training is, but it is everything that people need seasoned Mm -hmm. presenters and newbies alike, people just entering their careers who need to present more effectively. It's got everything in there, soup to nuts, and I'm really proud of it. Mm -hmm. And and, and because this is good marketing 101, I've been told, I'm not really a marketing guy, but I developed a free ebook Mm. that is called Five Presentation Tips for Wowing and Wooing Your Audience in 30 Seconds Less. Mm -hmm. And there's a a, a, a site you can go mm-hmm. to. It's called presentwithpersuasion.com. Okay. Presentwithpersuasion.com. Mm-hmm. People can download the, if they just want the free ebook, mm-hmm. that's great. Download the free book. I mm-hmm. think it's got some great tips in there for mm-hmm. attention grabbing openings. Mm-hmm. And then if you're interested in refining all of your presentation and storytelling skills mm-hmm. and managing Q&A mm-hmm. effectively, I've got lots of content in the course and, and okay. that will lead you to find out more about the course as well. That's my promotion. Uh, that's me selling. <laughs> well, and, and your website is lachecommunications.com. Correct. That is correct. And there it, it lays out various ser- professional services, media training, mm-hmm. presentation, coaching, investor-focused mm-hmm. communications, coaching, if you okay. will. I'm doing a lot of that with mm-hmm. public companies and startup organizations mm-hmm. looking to go public right. or looking... Mm-hmm. To, to bring in more investment dollars. Mm-hmm. I do a fair amount of work with startups mm-hmm. as well. And, and so lachecommunications.com has that. And the course uh, is also listed on that homepage too. Okay. So perfect. those are two, I think, really good avenues to learn a little bit more if people are interested. I love it. I love it. You know, and, and like I said, this, this gets back to my roots. And so I think this is just so much fun. But I also think it's it's absolutely critical because we are doing more online. We need to come across as being professional. When we're doing stuff in the real world, we need to to have all of these things in mind also. And so I think that it's it's just important for any business person to be thinking about, you know, how are they going to be persuading people and you know learning more about how to do it effectively. Exactly. It's the difference between just being informational or mm-hmm. giving an update. And or turning that into an opportunity to be really influential and persuasive, right. mm-hmm. huge difference there. Right. And the, and the latter is what's going to mm-hmm. boost our business results and mm-hmm. help us in our careers. Perfect, I love it. Well, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? See, there we go. Just Soft to ball. say, <laughs> just to say, thanks so much for the opportunity. This is obviously a topic again that's near and dear to both of our hearts. It's. Mm-hmm. So much fun to talk about this. Again, it's the most overlooked opportunity, I think. Presentations can be and should be embraced, and you can learn to to deal with that anxiety and that nervousness and channel that in very positive ways. And again, presentation skills, I believe, are the single most career-enhancing skill that oftentimes HR professionals and talent development teams overlook Mm -hmm. in all of their professional development tools. Not often enough do we see presentation skills in there. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Well, I have been having so much fun talking, (coughs) excuse me, with Jeff Lachey from Lachey Communications. I'm Deb Creer. And until next time, everyone have a great day. 
Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.